0: Hi, and welcome to Rule of Carnage. Um, My name's Glenn Ford. I am a designer and developer of games, some of which are miniatures games, which I develop and design with this chap here, who is Mike Hutchinson.
1: Hello, I'm Mike Hutchinson. I design uh, miniature games, uh, some of which you might have heard of, uh, because they include Gaslands uh, and uh, a game called A Billion Suns. And, uh, yeah, some other games that we have talked about uh, very recently on this channel uh, in previous videos. Um, Glenn, what are we here to talk about today in the general uh, arena of uh, designing better miniatures games? Well, today on Rule of Carnage, we're going to
0: talk a little bit about, uh, well, I've chosen to title it luck versus Skill." Um, and so the the first thing to, to sort of launch into is how uh that title is misleading and problematic obvious and controversial. <laughs> obvious, <laughs> obvious fate. Because so um there is there is a perception, I think, um, that if a game has a lot of luck, it therefore has less skill, or if it has less a lot of skill, it has less luck. Um and that's simply not an appropriate um, dichotomy. Luck and skill are actually um, orthogonal in games. They, they, one does not reduce the other. And chess. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, at the same time though. So an excellent example is of this, and um, this is one you might have heard uh, come across if you've read sort of game design books, is a, is a thing called uh, a sort of uh, dice chess. So if you imagine chess, but at the end of the game of chess, you roll a dice and on a six, you reverse the result. Mm. The best chess player in the world will still be the best player in the world at dice chess. It's a game that has exactly the same ranking system of players around the world, but it has hugely more luck than the normal chess. You know, one sixth of all games are decided purely on chance. Um, Despite that fact, it has exactly the same level of skill as normal chess, the exact same level of skill as normal chess. I will still tend to get pantsed by a grandmaster at dice chess is one of the reasons, you know. Now, the thing is that dice chess has what you might call static around its result. It will take more games of dice chess to find out who the better player is than it will of chess. With chess, after one game between me and a grandmaster, you can be pretty certain who the grandmaster is. With dice chess, yeah, you you, you might not be sure. You might be like, okay, we don't really know who the better player is, and you'd need to play uh, uh, just more games of dice chess to find out who the actual better player was, because um, it doesn't it doesn't change the the nature of the outcome. It changes the static around the outcome. Um, some other examples of this, you know, um, are that say, for example, poker has an enormous amount of luck, but also an enormous amount of skill. Um, Tic Tac Toe has zero luck and also absolutely zero skill to it. Um, so, in that way, the idea that um, games have luck or skill, that luck. Um, is in a sort of oppositional relation to skill within games is just fun- fundamentally not not quite accurate. Um, the two can and should exist sort of side by side and symbiotically. And we're going to try and talk a bit um, ultimately in these videos about where luck should come in um, as spice your game and the places where because it is possible for your game to stop being chess and start being snakes and ladders. Mm. Um, You can totally undermine a game through excessive use of luck. And we'll talk about some of the different forms of randomness within your game and which ones uh, maybe undermine skill levels and which ones can be totally orthogonal to it. Um, So, I mean, so right off the bat, just, you know, having sort of uh put games out and had people make responses to them uh, have there been points like where you've come across um this idea that a game has too much luck it's too random it's uh it's too casual and therefore it cannot have skill in it because i think personally that that there is something that i've heard eh, maybe tossed at gaslands occasionally that people have been oh like, yeah Mo-
1: no more than occasionally people throw the beer and pretzels uh Phrase at it, but I actually think in in most cases they do it fairly lovingly, and I think that that's so, somewhat it, it's used in a couple of ways. I think one of the ways that beer and pretzels is used is it's a low intellectual hurdle to get a game running, but I do think that it's also used in a way as it's like it's maybe a lower skill intensive environment where. A beer and pretzels war game or a billion beer and pretzels card game is one where I can I can get it out when I'm slightly I'm slightly off my best cerebrally and I can throw the cards down or I can throw the minis down and roll some dice and I'm I'm gonna be having a good time. So I think that there is also this false dichotomy between um like the the amount of mental energy and the the amount of easy fun. Mm. That might not be. A I think what, me, actually
0: <laughs> might just be true. <laughs> that might not just be an entirely accurate one.
1: I mean, what, what's
0: interesting here, I think, particularly in relation to Gaslands, is funny enough. I was talking to um, my 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 darling better half earlier today about um, the the video we put out on metas and such like, and she was relating back to me something where when in the early days of Gaslands. Every, there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, you know, Rutherford is dominant. Miyazaki is completely worthless." Taking, mm-hmm. and she, she, she said that I. Whenever I heard that, I used to sit in the corner. And go, oh, they'll find out soon. They'll find out soon. And then soon after, everyone's like, "Oh my lord Miyazaki is insane! This is you know, this is br-. and and I think the thing is that in Gaston specifically, uh, Miyazaki is a a precise um tool for getting a certain job done she
1: doesn't rely on a on a on a lot of luck to get her job done Um, she doesn't whereas if you also reliably roll sixes rutherford is the team for you
0: Mm. it's like miyazaki carries very little fat as it were there's uh there's very little opportunity for if the tiny amount of luck that you do require for a miyazaki team doesn't go your way there's there's very little to cover you for um for 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 the uh multi-reroll skid dice boning you um what once it goes you are in a in a very bad place
1: that, that also makes me think of something this is a slight tangent but um one of the things that i i sort of sense in designing games for children is that there seems to be an an erroneous, correlation between children will enjoy something and it has a lot of luck in it because i think that my experience playing with my young um girl is kind of the opposite like an environment that's that's luck high becomes confusing and frustrating a lot faster than one where there is a simple repeated task where it is skill based or it's observation based or it's memory based Um, Mm. and i think that that like that correlation between if it's if it's if there's a high luck content to the game, it's sort of easier to engage with, and it's sort of throwaway, and you can have an easier enjoyment. I think is is itself like sure, it might be easier to engage with it, but it doesn't necessarily follow that enjoyment comes more easily. In fact, it may be much more easily to generate easy, quick. It might it may be much better at generating frustration than generating uh, easy enjoyment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. I think that um, small children seem to quite enjoy the rolling of dice, random chance, with no particular end to it. There's a simple sort of fascination of rolling a dice, not knowing what it's going to come up, doing something because a certain number came up, is fine and can be amusing for a certain period of time when there's an end goal to it and the dice frustrates your wish to get that end goal I think children have a much harder time dealing with that frustration than adults it's it, but it's a to funny be honest with
1: you, it's not super easy for adults either like when you're in that situation and it comes down to a dice roll like occasionally you can rationalize it as exciting and intense but quite often it's just like oh for god's sake well I I, th- I think I think the thing with adults is
0: it's um it's easier to spot where the chance is and it's easier to check out earlier. It's like a game of um, Snakes and Ladders. I can check out emotionally on turn one. It's fine. I I don't care what happens during Snakes and Ladders because I checked out as soon as the board came out, Mm. whereas a small child thinks it's worth getting invested.
1: I mean, I know we're not supposed to be talking about board games, but I think that's one of the reasons that uh, Deep Sea Diver is so interesting is that like... Ultimately, there's this little dice rolling mechanic which can frustrate you no end when you just roll a couple of bad rolls and it totally botches your thing. But they build a number of other sort of simple decision making where you feel skill, you feel a, a frisson of skill when you make a decision about whether to change direction. You um, mean Deep Sea Adventure? Did, what did I say? Deep Sea Diver, I think. Yeah, I meant Deep Sea Adventure. The one with the Deep cool. Sea Divers. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: The oink yeah. game yeah exactly um i think i think that like like,
1: that 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 balance of it can have quite a high chance elements to it if the impact of the small number of skill-based decisions that you have been asked to make is is large i think it's also
0: if you ask me to invest in the game and then Suddenly, my investment gets ripped away from me by by this one chunk of, of random chance. That that's when you get that's when you get an adult unable to handle the you know the the way that the challenge has occurred. That's when you get grown ups flipping tables. When it's so, like, I think
1: to throw to throw another element in here. Um, one of the things that I think is. Maybe I don't want to caricature us both, but one of the things that I think is maybe more me than you is that um, there's an element of so 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 in role playing games. There's very strong element of play to find out what happens. So you set up a scenario, and then to a degree, you don't care who wins or loses. You just play to find out what happens, and if there is a random resolution mechanic it can quite often be a very random resolution mechanic, which is just trying to find out like swing the story left or right to find out what happens. Um, And I think that miniature war games um, occupy this interesting middle ground between a more skill-based play to find out who's the better player and a more luck-based play to find out what happens in the story. And there are, miniature war games which are more concerned with i wonder what happens when we push these two armies together or these two groups of cowboys meet and there are games that are much more interested in did you select the right force and did you pilot it well to to you know to match your opponent's plans and forces and so i think that there is um, an element of tension between between those two ends of like you know there will be people who don't mind a more luck-heavy system, because it actually means that it, it 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 generates more surprising and unexpected results on the table. And if there's a collaborative narrative game experience up, up at the table, then you're both sort of going, oh, I wonder whose army is going to win. And we're sort of only vaguely in control of it. So it's why I find a system like War Master so frustrating. But War Master <laughs> and similar systems with those kind of random, like your troops say no, Uh, mechanics is like people get to the end of that game and go oh wasn't it funny when your army didn't do anything for two turns it's like well i I mean either i think that's funny and therefore i'm playing war master or i absolutely don't and i'm going to go and play a skill-based a more skill-heavy game
0: yeah i i I mean i was gonna flame me
1: for saying war master isn't skill-based
0: but come on (laughs) bring it i mean personally i think if, if a game sits up and saying okay this is about a narrative journey And, you know, at various points, the path the narrative takes is going to be randomly chosen Mm. and neither is better or worse than the other. You're just Mm. trying to find out, you know, where where the story is going to take you. That's fine. If a game says, you know, no, you're trying to pilot to a certain end. And then says, "Oh, actually, it's it's a random thing. Is going to find out what the path's going to be. That's not okay at all. You you've got yeah, to sort a, of
1: that's a, that's a good point. And I think it's one of the fun things about mighty empires where you end up having essentially a rock paper scissors battle resolution system. I can't remember all of the details of it, but I, as far as I remember, it's broadly speaking rock paper scissors, hmm. and." you know you can influence strategically by putting more units in or whatnot but um ultimately that game is about the spectacle of empire building and so the fact that the 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 luck base like the fact that the battles are really luck dependent sort of melts into the the story and the excitement that you've had of like finding out whether your troops had enough biscuits on their way across the desert and such like
0: that seems like a good place to take a quick break um, so we've been sort of dancing around um, a couple of definitions, I think are worth making at this point in the conversation. May and this is something that I think a lot of people will have heard. Um, and there's terms input randomness and output randomness.
1: I never so, heard them before you started ranting about them. <laughs> Should I reread <really laughs> okay, the well, textbooks?
0: I mean, you know, if, if you haven't heard them, you've presumably basically not read any game design textbooks. But... Um, So (laughs) input randomness is um, what might be um, referred to in video games as procedural generation. Um, It's where uh, something happens randomly, which gives you the thing that you then have to make uh, skilled decisions about. Uh, So... In Warhammer fantasy Battle, at the start of the game, you roll your spells randomly on a little spell table. And then through the rest of the game, you select when to use those spells, how to apply them, how to get the best out of them. That's input randomness for the selection of the spell. Um, in uh, Saga, the battle boards um, are input randomness. You roll a set of dice, and then you apply those dice across the battle board, and it's how you use the input randomness to get the uh Skilled outputs that you want at the end of the game. As a rule of thumb, um, and I and I don't want to sort of be expansive. This is you know considered generally acceptable by the the more hardcore um, sort of gaming collective. I, I, I think would not be unreasonable to say you can you can have a game with a lot of input randomness in it and still be considered a very sort of in board game terms a sort of euro game crunchy you know, serious tournament thing. Uh, the other ver- uh, part of randomness is output randomness. Um, that's like um, you you try to do something and then you roll a dice to see if you succeeded and the dice tells you whether you succeeded or not. Uh, so most attack systems that have a roll to hit, a roll to wound, um, where... You try your best. You set everything up as it should be, and the dice all come out ones. And there you go. You're apparently completely garbage at the game. How splendidly interesting! We've now find found out after a two hour game who is best at rolling sixes and who is best at rolling ones. That was a worthwhile use of everyone's time. Um, output randomness is, I'd say, more generally frowned upon by the 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 the, the the more hardcore gaming community and i
1: think possibly i see so um, we're, we're detect we're detecting the euro and ameritrash borderline here is uh, which side I, of the black box of the board game is the randomness aligned <laughs> there, there there
0: are there are certainly people who have said you know output randomness should never exist it should just literally never happen in any game ever for any reason input randomness is just about acceptable if it's if it's very specifically laid out forms of input randomness but output randomness is just verboten it shall not see the light of day it, it is it is filth uh, of an unimaginable form but i do think that wherein when you're talking ab- when you're talking about where a narrative path that the game takes um, I think you're talking about something that's very borderline on those two forms of, of chance. Um, I try to do something. I roll some dice. It tells me where the narrative is going to go. And then I react to the narrative where that chance is in relation to output randomness and input randomness. And when your game is creating a chain of decisions, random events, decisions, random events, decisions, random events, there does come a point where saying, well, that one was output randomness. That one was input randomness. And passing it all out, it stops making a clean to me it doesn't it stops making a clean logical sort of sense if your game has randomness in it apart from the very first if there's only one random result in the entire game then sure it can be input randomness and only input randomness and you can be a a euro hero but if you have more like the the input
1: randomness of who gets the white uh, chess piece well yes
0: yes there you go in in, chess has one piece of input randomness and is therefore a, a game that truly can be said to only have input randomness if you have two or more pieces of randomness in your game the first piece of randomness was output randomness for the second, the mm. second event that that, that that chained onto it, and I don't know that you can, that you can pass them out and separate um, them from each other as well, cleanly as no, maybe no, I, they. I, did.
1: I think I think you are you are logically absolutely accurate. I think, you know, there's perhaps an aesthetic going on which matters a lot to some people, um, and certainly Wargamers are absolutely comfortable with that aesthetic, or in fact, even desire that aesthetic of, I am going to take an action, let's find out if that action succeeds. That's also, you know, that's an aesthetic that um, that role players are, are also very comfortable with. Um, and indeed, you know, the, the the comfort in war games comes probably in tabletop war games, miniature war games, dice rolling random war games comes from that association, that root in um, role playing. I suppose I don't play a lot of counters um, cardboard counters war games i i I expect there's a lot less randomness present in some of those
0: yeah i i I would say so for definite i think funnily enough i think that a lot of the whether whether it is rooted in role play i think a lot of the persistence of output randomness in war games is it's about simulationism the oft-quoted defense of it is it's about simulationism it's the fog of war it's the 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 madness of the battlefield um in a battlefield anybody can kill anybody the most skilled duelist in the land can get shivved in the side by some lowly peasant with a pitchfork it can happen it does happen it has happened historically you know people have been blown up by their own cannons and you know Shot killed by children with, yeah, killed with by children with crossbows and frying pans and such like. Um, and the the the, the sort of the the oft repeated and I think much vaunted reason for existing in in wargaming is it's simulationist, it's a simulationist element. You have to have randomness in the 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 the, the hell of war because if you knew that a, per, a particular troop or a particular hero was definitely safe. Well, that wouldn't be realistic to the way that battles are actually fought, is I mean, the argument.
1: Call, call me a child, but I also think that there's there's an element for me, child. Of, you know, those cars that you pull back and then you let go and they go whoosh and you don't know where they go and then they fall off and, or they, they knock a teacup over. Like To me, there is a real element of that in wargaming, which is you spend all this time painting your toys and building your things and then you pull it back and you let it go and you just go, whoo! I wonder what's going to happen. And that I think is where, that's where for me that output randomness feels right is if it was like, I'll just throw all my toys up and see where they land and then I will very carefully resolve with skill the resulting thing that feels aesthetically very different to i'm going to roll them all up and then i'm going to lift the table gently and they're all going to slide down in a random order and find out and that's essentially what rolling the dice is i
0: suppose the thing the thing about output randomness um i think that people rebel against is that it doesn't feel like i want to see how good you are ideally in a Mm. game i want you to at some point do something and for my jaw to drop and for me to just go oh just you know congratulations but this was a moment
1: this is presumably where you're coming to that like a prevalence of output randomness leads you to a place where you have to manage that randomness and stack those odds in your favor and you know when i get trounced by you it's because you have aligned all of those um, skill-based elements that are in your control so that the luck-based elements are minimized. And I go, oh yeah, you really don't have to roll very many of those dice successfully and you've absolutely trounced me. And that is, you know, that's that's very close at that point to having an input randomness system where the output is entirely skill-based. Like It's about minimizing the impact of that. You know. I mean, you know, it, it is
0: entirely justifiable to, you know, have an orcs and goblins army in Warhammer, and have an absolute shed ton of output randomness, mm. and because it's so random, when it comes off, it's very powerful, and because I put so much of it to bear, so much of the time, one of them's going to come off, uh, and it's a different sort of skill of going, well, okay, I mean, I'm relying on the dice coming up six. I'll simply chuck 67 dice they're gonna come up there's gonna be some sixes popping up out of that you know so
1: it may it makes me think there's actually there's a really intriguing piece of input randomness in Age of Sigmar because there's the priority role where it's an I go you go system with you know controversially a an initiative role so that sometimes people get two turns in a row um which which baffles people who come fresh to the system and once you've played the system for a while still totally baffles you but <laughs> what you have to do is you have to play to mitigate the double turn and you have to play as if if you're a conservative competitive player you have to play as if someone is going to get two turns after you mm. if You know if you if you've got the first turn and you've chosen to take the first turn then you need to play as if they're going to get two turns and you have to you know have to build those defenses in and so it's mm. i don't know if that's a piece of input or I think that is a piece of input randomness because it's then set up. But the same thing, I guess, happens in a lot of um, alternating activation skirmish games where the input randomness of the, the initiative flip in or, or the initiative roll then controls some element of what can then be executed against with skill. Mm.
0: I mean, yeah. Again, I think I think this is where the the the, the paying out of input versus output um, randomness isn't as clean. Um, as some people would like to suggest it is. And I think the point of where output randomness is, and I think output randomness can be is acceptable within games. And I think where it's acceptable and interesting is where you know when it's going to happen. And so you get input randomness is supposed to be okay because you get the input randomness and then you use your skill to mash it through a, Sausage making machine and get sausages out the end of it. Mm -hmm. Output randomness, you can do the same thing. You just have to do it prior to, you know, getting the sausage meat. You just have to get a sausage case and line it up perfectly. And then the sausage meat goes cleanly into it. And then you have a really beautiful sausage and you look pretty swish for having done it to stretch the metaphor. But the point. (laughs) The point of ra- output randomness is that if you know it's coming and you can make allowances for it, we we all know in life that some random events happen and we make allowances for them and then they occur and we don't end up in the gutter, you know, begging for arms. You know, in a, in a war game, if you choose not to make allowances for the possibility of output randomness and the output randomness then happens and therefore you get pantsed. That is a lack of your skill. That is not chance screwing you over. You knew the dice were going to get rolled. You knew there was a chance that some of those dice were going to come up the wrong number and you chose not to make allowances for them. Now, when a game can have issues is where it's like, it gives you no chance to mitigate against random chance. Mm. And I think this is one thing that you hear again and again about certain games, like certain dice rolling games, and people go, but there were no re-rolls available. There, there, there was nothing to do... A, a, if I had some re-rolls, I could save and then cunningly use to, to, to mitigate the chance. I think that, that's, one,
1: that's one of the successes of the dice mechanic in Gaslands, is that it's tied to a resource system, which is very non-random. And, you know, when you roll some skid dice, which are extremely random and some some fine folks on the um, gas hands group have done some some good work analyzing where the right sort of where the chance ends you up on with those. But you roll some skid dice in order to find out what happens. But then you end up in a situation with a very fixed deterministic resource, which is these hazard tokens, which you can then make subsequent decisions in subsequent activations about how much how much you are willing to accept the chance that things won't go your way um yeah i mean I, I think, and i, I, and think I that's... find that very satisfying like that that has you know that was partly that was partly luck um and partly um a lot of playtesting but i am i think always going to be on the lookout for that sweet spot between like there's some there's some juicy luck element and there's a moment where I roll the dice and I'm like, I really want it to come out the right way and sometimes it doesn't. But then it's mitigated by, even after the fact, I've got tools available to me to mitigate the next iteration of that luck system. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, the skid dice in Gaslands, uh, I think are of, of full of bits of mitigation and, you know, a, a skilled Gaslands player never fears a skid dice because you know you can you you've got re-rolls you've got uh dice cancellation capabilities i mean unless you are unutterably unfortunate persistently throughout the game you can almost always mitigate the the skid or, dice or, or you, you um,
1: choose to push your luck and you're like well it would be really cool if I did a slide a, at this point and I can't guarantee it but it would be so cool and then I'll just go for it and then it doesn't come off and you know that's it. That's a choice that you've made.
0: And this was, I think, the skid dice are a perfect example of where you place, you have a choice of movement templates, one of which n- means you need a slide and possibly need a spin or you're in bad trouble, or another one gets you to where you need to be acceptably, does it really well with slide and does it fantastically with a slide and a spin. A skilled player picks the second, you know, uh, template finds the gap for it and then goes okay there are now a wide range of results are acceptable to me Mm -hmm. um you know and at that point you have in one rather neat little package got preparation for output randomness randomness which is both output randomness and also input randomness into your the next part of your turn and uh, and the rest of the game so I think the skid dice within Gaslands I think rather beautifully encapsulates input randomness, output randomness, mitigation planning um, and fun it's, it's mm. sort of in a neat little bundle all of the things that um, I think you want to look for and about in relation to, to luck within a game um, and I think with that uh, little comment about how very very clever we all were we'll take a quick break So we've been talking about um, luck and skill um, within Ministers of Wargames. And uh, in this part of the conversation, um, we've talked a little bit about, um, about luck, about output randomness, about how it can sometimes be cruel and it can, it can take the game away from you, um, and about how there are some people who like randomness, but there are some people who absolutely hate it. And despite that fact, um, I would say that miniatures gaming is quite addicted to output randomness. It's almost unknown that you'll come across uh, a, a, a miniatures tabletop battle game that doesn't have some level of output randomness, which is kind of odd in a way i mean, I mean we the,
1: even we even debated at the very beginning of this series whether we should call them you you were talking about tape measures and dice games like mm. the, the 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 handful of d6 is so iconically associated with the toy soldier it's quite surprising
0: yeah i mean in, in relation to this topic i was sort of making some some show notes and i thought okay what is the purpose of luck in a game i thought okay it's, it could be this it can be that blah 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 i thought okay well what is the purpose of skill in a game well that that question doesn't make any sense to even ask that question seems bizarre it's like well the purpose of the game is that there should be some level of skill in it if it is if there's literally no skill whatsoever in the game you know if it is literally um you know sort of as snakes and ladders or something similar where it's all deterministic and and mechanical and predetermined and you basically may as well not be there it, it seems it seems mind-boggling to imagine that you have a game that would have zero skill
1: but it doesn't well, i mean see... it, i mean again again not uh to, to call back to role-playing like there is an element to which like from a purely tactical standpoint, a lot of role-playing experiences, some role-playing experiences that I've had are zero skill insofar as there's some, some randomness about what occurs, uh, like the encounter that we have to deal with. And then we use our imaginations to sort of engage with that mechanically. We then roll some dice and find out, but like yeah. the skill sort of manifests in terms of like, are we, are we creating something together? And I think that's, yeah. that's only, that's the only place that I could go with that, with that question, you're.
0: I, I mean, I, I I would argue vociferously that using your imagination to engage with a fantasy world is not a form of skill. Is a sentence that I cannot get behind. I mean, no, that's true. You yeah, know, that's fair you you know you 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 tell the world of sort of computer programmers that you know achieving that level of thing is not anything to do with a skill or an ability and they'll well i suppose i suppose this
1: is actually yeah this is maybe a trap that i'm falling into which is that by creating a a dichotomy of luck versus skill it's sort of saying by which measure did you achieve victory in an in an adversarial game environment because i think that's that's tends to be what what is implied by that. and so if you won, did you mm. win because you outclassed me, you outthought me, you outstrategized me, you out understood the mechanics and the and the mechanisms or did i roll more sixes? and in a game of collaborative imaginative storytelling um or a game of collaborative imaginative narrative wargaming like you know, the skill is is how well we created that narrative, how cleverly we came up with rationales for the actions of the little tin soldiers and so forth, and how satisfying yeah, I mean, we, we how satisfying it was to come away from that story.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, if you follow like series like Critical Role and things like that, you know, the the, the people around those tables um, have what is undeniably a skill set of of a very high and um and refined level in order to play <laughs> role-playing games that are unusual unusually sophisticated and, and and high level um you know and not you know the the skills that role-playing games require of you are, are some of the most nuanced and and finely balanced skills that that human beings ha- have um, it's true i can't to. i can't role
1: play when i'm tired because of that like i need my best <laughs> brain when i do that yeah um, um but that i think they, that goes back to the that goes back to the beer and pretzels thing which is you know when i don't have my best brain then i want to play something which is reasonably high luck content so that i don't have to rely on hmm. skill and it doesn't have to be a pure skill environment so yeah so i mean to
0: to to track back from from the world of role playing to the world of of miniatures, tabletop gaming, um, it seems, as I say, it seems bizarre to ask the question, you know, what is the purpose of skill within games? But there is a a chewy question about what is the purpose of luck? And if the, what the purpose of luck is, is a valid question, the question is, well, why do we have it? If there's a question about it, why is it even in there? Mm. Um, And so, you know, hopefully in this video, we're going to talk a bit about why there are why there is luck in games why there is random chance in there um you know on various levels now i i have two personal uh you know i, I mean I'm, i'll, I'll be it. honest
1: with you i'm worried about this because i'm gonna have to justify my obsession and addiction to involve it to, to including luck in my games and i'm not sure that i have this the, the philosophical toolkit to to defend myself <laughs> I mean, personally, the
0: the first and I think the biggest reason for having luck within a miniatures um, tabletop war game uh, is, in simple terms, is to keep players off balance. The what luck does is it ensures that the plan you, the first plan you had when starting the game, is not the last plan you have when you end the game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Ideally, games, I, you know, I think should have, um, in board games, uh, we talk about a, a laddering effect in games. Ideally, uh, you should start off um, able to do a certain set of things. And by the end of the game, you should be able to do things you weren't able to do at the start of the game. Um, and that, that's a laddering effect of in board games. If you're doing the same thing on the final turn of the game as you're doing on the first turn of the game, that's bad. You know, why did you, you know, bother going through all those turns? We should have had a one-turn game,
1: right? Which is which is oddly opposed to the the world of um, tabletop war games. Yes, in tabletop world war games, you can do
0: way less on the last turn than you could do on the first turn. Because like all your way less. dead.
1: <laughs> Most
0: of your stuff is dead, Um so you can't have laddering. You can't have. Um, a place where the reason that you played the game was in order to be able to achieve I more. Sense than you the design challenge, Glenn. As in relation to the fact that um, Hobgoblin was uh, about advance wars, um, I, I saw somebody having a conversation about whether you could design a game that's more like. Um, Command and Conquer or or Dune 2, where Mm. you have things that can build units on turn one, but you don't have units, and can you do that within a a sensible tabletop war game? So the answer is
1: yes, and I'm working on it in secret as a uh, Billion Suns expansion, because I am also obsessed with that, and a Billion Suns, broadly speaking, already does it. It's just that instead of factories, you have jump points. And instead of um, uh, an escalating factory infrastructure, you don't yet have an escalating sort of jump capability where you're only allowed to jump in larger things in later turns. But I definitely think there's a mechanism to do that. In, in
0: broad terms, we don't generally have laddering within tabletop miniatures war games. Hmm. Um, in order, because I have everything that I'm ever going to be able to have and make decisions with uh, and do things with in, in those sorts of games at the start of the game, in order for me to not know what my plan is going to be on turn five or six, yeah. I need to have random chance. I need to have some chance that pops in there and goes, you know what, the, the plan that you turned up with is not the plan that you can end with that is interesting to you without random chance um i could just be fully planted and on balance throughout the whole game i could hand you uh, a piloting list and go this is what my units are going to do i'll just i'll be off i'll have go and have a sandwich and come back let me know how it panned out. I'll tell you what, to be honest with you, I know how it's going to pan out. I, I really, I did a really good job writing that list. I'm going to mash you. And in order that doesn't happen, you know, we, we like to put in random chance. And in, in my opinion, the, the best random chance is, is the one that goes, you know, okay, you thought this is the situation could twist turn turns out.
1: This is the situation. How are you going to react to that? I mean, I think, I think one of, one of the one of the most startling examples of that is the bolt action activation system like that's that's, I think, a really beautiful example of that, where it says, you know, you thought, you know, you had a plan, but you can never be sure in what order the operations are going to fall out. And therefore, somebody's going to get the jump on you. You can guarantee someone's going to get the jump on you, but you don't know exactly how that's going to un- unfold. Uh, which I think is why that that system's so exciting and interesting. Mm. Uh, no, but I yeah, think that... that's interesting. so in in the in the writing of Hobgoblin, now that you bring this up, um, I put um, a specific note sort of in the in the uh, what I done wrote six years ago. I wrote a specific note to myself, which was that the purpose of both the magic system and the fortune card systems, which are like a, a deck of cards that you get dealt during the game and which can provide, you know, funny additional uh, effects on the game, um, was to was to dissolve moments of certainty into uncertainty and to introduce uh introduce these things where you couldn't know what the outcome was because there was always a couple of heart cards waiting in someone's hand and you didn't know whether they were going to be able to affect it. So I think that's absolutely right is Um, you need to be able to introduce some noise into the system where I have a plan, but the noise that's been introduced means that I can't 100% know how it's going to fall out. And
0: I think this is where, you know, again, people are very keen that, that randomness should be input randomness because what I want is for the game to keep me off balance and keep forcing me to come up with new plans on the fly. I want to have to react to interesting tactical situations. And I, because I want the chance to react to the interesting tactical situation. What I don't want is, that why people is to like be those
1: um, tennis ball launchers.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. It's the equivalent random. Yes. So you want it coming at you, but you want to have. You know, I want to test myself with fractions of seconds to react on the flies that come at me. What I don't want is to, instead of a tennis ball launcher, have a launcher that occasionally is a full ball laser that just <laughs> burns me off the face of the planet before I can even see it happening. Because oh, it's like, tennis wow, ball, you know. tennis
1: ball, hand grenade! <laughs>
0: yeah you know i i want it to i want i want chance to come in and i want it to destroy my plans but i want the opportunity to come up with new plans and i think that's why people want input randomness or something that appears to be input randomness and they and they see output randomness as something that just just destroys their plans and leaves them with no opportunity to have plans I and think that's i think al- there's the- also
1: there's there's a few other elements one is that it's fun to roll dice but we'll set that one aside the other is that there is a Um, I'm not sure exactly how to couch this but there is a sort of there is a sort of um, human narrative tendency to take chance and turn it into moments of heroism and if there is no randomness and I just get trounced I'm not really so able to sort of lord that over you but if there is an element of chance then I can kind of I can kind of add some um, I can take my hubris and I can dial it down with a bit of like you know, well, the, the, you know, just the the God of fate was with me. And so we can tell better stories and more enjoyable sort of shared stories about those moments of randomness, even if they were, you know, born up on skill and outplayedness, they can still be, they can sort of be socially softened by the fact that there was Mm. some dice rolled. And I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of moments that we remember as gamers, which are very much steeped in like, I was just about to get trounced and then i did get trounced but it was like it was so it was so bad and all the dice rolled it's it,
0: it, it's tough because um i've been playing uh, uh a bit of uh magic the gathering arena recently mm. i'd gotten away from magic gathering for various reasons for ages and then got arena it's like oh this is fantastic it's completely free and um uh pay to win is much less of a thing but the there comes a point in a lot of games where you, where you're you know somebody else is 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 down and they're more or less done and they don't concede and they keep playing. You're sort of thinking, well, why are you still playing? And then they top deck the win, you know, and then they do that. Your hand's empty and you pull one card and you play the card. It's like, right, brilliant, yeah, no. The one card in your deck that gives you the win. Fantastic. That's great. That's satisfying for everybody. Are you proud? Are you proud <laughs> that that happened? You know, and, and, they're not and they're, that, well, yeah. <laughs> and this is and that's the difficult thing of the sort of the mystery of hope of randomness. Um, because what it ends up being sometimes is. You're losing, you're definitely losing, but there's this tiny nugget of hope that keeps you clinging on. And nine times out of 10, you're just having your fingers broken one at a time as you're clinging to the cliff edge. And it's just horrible and it's just mean. And then you inevitably plummet. Apart from one time in a hundred, where it turns out the last finger has a shotgun in it, and you blow the other person's face off, and then you don't feel big and smart and clever, and the other person doesn't feel satisfied. You know, nobody feels that that was righteous, but you go, yeah, but a wins a win, isn't it? So, stop you. But maybe, yeah. <laughs> I I claimed it, and it's you know where randomness gives. Mystery and hope. It means that every little, you know, uh, encounter isn't over until the fat lady sings. That can have a bit of spice and a bit of chew to it. Where it means that no game is ever decided until the last thing happens. It can. You can often end up in a situation where people go, "Well, why am I bothering to engage with the actual the the
1: game, yeah. game
0: and the rules? Well, I'll just, I'll just do whatever." And then it'll turn out in the end that magically, you know, if the, in the previous video, we talked about dice chess, which is you play a game of chess and then you roll a dice and on the six, you reverse the results. The best chess player is still the best dice chess player. If instead dice chess were at the end of it, you roll a dice on a two to six, you reverse the result. Everyone playing dice, that version of dice chess would go, why am I bothering to care about how I move them? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a damn how I move the pawns. You just turn around and the dice will suddenly magically mean you win. I'll try and throw the match at that point. And, and I think when you have a system where a single piece of output randomness can completely change the result, you undermine people caring you know about the result unless you have a very sort of narrative attitude towards things we'll be back in just a second
1: so it's it's intriguing it's intriguing because you talked about the, the sort of perceived sacrosanctness of input randomness. And actually, as you're talking, I'm realizing that two of my most frustrating game experiences are to do with input randomness, which I think I actually like significantly less. So the two games that I am I am most I have been very frustrated with in the past are Warmaster and Magic the Gathering. And in war master at the beginning of the turn we'll forget about the sub the previous turn for the sake of this uh, illustration but at the sort of beginning of the turn or during your turn you find out whether or not you get to activate your units and then you know having activated a unit like it can then do some stuff but then you find out whether you get to do another one and in magic the gathering my predominant frustration with that is the number of times that I have had non-games where I don't draw sufficient lands or I have a little land drought in the middle of a game and I know that that's supposed to work out over a number of games but I used to play it as a kid you know with my tiny hands that couldn't shuffle decks and we didn't have digital decks to to shuffle for us and so you know I'd play maybe three or four games and it props wouldn't work out the randomness to the degree that it needs to. And in both of those cases, I felt like the game was over before it had started because the input randomness had sort of blown a raspberry at me and said, well, how about you don't have a game at all to start with? And I would have much preferred to have got all of my toys and thrown them all out and found out that they all were duds and that, you know, they all got their teeth kicked in because at least there'd be blood everywhere and I'd have had a fun time
0: i mean f- funnily enough in an interview richard garfield um, the designer of magic The gathering specifically said that he put in the possibility of mana flood or drought in order that a really good player could be beaten by any anyone can lose a game of magic the gathering hmm. he i think sees it as an ultimate piece of of output randomness you know you you, you no matter how well you build your deck you can just get full mana drought and just sit there and get pantsed by anybody. And he, he realized that that was a possibility and left it in, he says left it in intentionally hmm. in order to, to maintain the,
1: the well, air of fine mystery. And thoughtful designer. I'm sure he did it on purpose. It's just, it's just I'm, sure I'm sure, I'm sure if he says he did it on purpose, I'm, I'm certain he did. <laughs> That's just but, the you know, that game that really turns me off. Um, Mm. Playing it casually as a kid who couldn't, who didn't bother. I like. I never engaged with the pay-to-win element of it anyway. So um, mm. setting that. I mean, aside, I think that's probably it's, the second most frustrating thing about it. It's it, it's funny, and
0: you know, and this is a slight aside, but um, and this and this is interesting because it seems to happen to any tabletop game that has a digital version. Um, but the discussions about the uh the the the, the shuffling algorithm of uh the magic gathering arena and how it's definitely biased at various points are legion on the various on the various forums and it's interesting because literally every you know the 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 talisman board game had a had a digital version um hmm. that had some very contra you know people got very upset about the dice rolling um algorithm in yeah, I and almost any yeah any tabletop game that has a has an element of chance and it has a digital version, people are certain, absolutely certain that that random algorithm is against them in some very sort of concerted and sort of pressured way. And I think it's interesting because one of the things about random chance and one thing about human beings is that we we put things into stories. We, we shape things into narratives um, and, if you give somebody a bunch of random results, they are going to put a narrative on it. And if the thing at the other end of those random results is in some way opposed to them, they're going to decide that that thing is intend- intelligently and intentionally opposed to them. And it's very easy with a set of dice to realize that, oh, I'm just putting it onto the dice. I know full well, you know, the number of people say, oh, my dice hate me and all, you know, the dice are against me. As soon as you have a computer generating those dice, it's a lot easier to believe that the computer hates you because we know that they have, like you know, mystical and unusual brains that we don't fully understand. So definitely, well, and it's and it's if, a
1: it's a gestalt that you can point at rather than yes. these individual dice, which you can get cross at that one or this one or you all of you guys, you guys are all in the <laughs> box. You're back in. The yeah, team.
0: so yeah, so so definitely, if if I if I have to triple Mulligan, you know, four games in a row on. Uh, magic Arena, it's definitely an in, it's definitely a conspiracy. Whereas, you know, that happens in magic in, in real life, and it's like, eh, you know,
1: so dice be crazy. Sort of men- you sort of mentioned this at the beginning, but there, there really aren't very many tabletop miniature games that have issued luck entirely. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I can't think of one. Um,
0: not not miniatures games, no, I
1: can't. no, yeah. so. so so having noticed this i did flirt and i think we talked about this um some months ago on hobgoblin um the first time we talked about it i have flirted a bit with the idea of removing um luck from hobgoblin ultimately i decided against it but um there there was a period where the number of dice that units rolled changed from 10 to 12 and the very specific reason for that was i was planning to add like an optional rule that said by the way if you want to play in like hardcore mode you don't roll the 12 dice they simply come out in three rows of one to six every time and you always get a statistically average result and that i think is the problem like it always generates a statistically average result. It's just not very interesting. If for all the reasons that you've unpacked, like there's just there's some there's some delight and peril and storytelling and like human attraction to um, pulling the one armed bandit that just gets lost in that. And the 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 upside was an increase in the calculability of. The outcome such that you could deploy your skill more efficiently but it just i mean particularly for the design principles of hobgoblin but it just didn't feel worth it didn't feel like a worthy sacrifice it didn't feel like you were getting enough of a bump on the side of skill with the lack of with the with the resulting drop in serendipity and narrative and human stories and you know the vaguely addictive nature of random um random chance so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, you know, I can definitely do it. I can do it with Hobgoblin. There's no question. Like, it, it could be done, and I just choose not to. I mean, I think the truth of the matter is
0: that the, the main reason that, you know, luck is in a lot of uh, tabletop war games is that designing a fun game without luck is hard It's Mm. so hard. I mean, good. I mean, the the thing about chess is, and you know, I don't know whether this is sacrilegious or whatever, but if chess came out today, nobody would play it. it. You know, the reason that chess works is that it has this massive, massive meta built around it of a history of games. So the people who played chess don't play chess they don't engage with a chess board and the in each set of no
1: they they study chess they don't play chess they study chess
0: and 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 they bring to bear you know pre-memorized sections of game they they play maybe you know five percent of any given chess game that they play they don't care about any part of uh, until the sort of The last maybe 5% most of the time. And that's when they engage themselves. And the reason that they're, you know, by and large, you know, a particular subset of people is that they've made, they've memorized literally thousands and thousands of openings and move sets and responses and mid games and mid late games, you know, and then they're not playing chess. They're playing the meta game of chess. I think if somebody came up with chess today and said, and this is why, Again, you know, if you look on Kickstarter on an almost weekly basis, somebody is trying to launch Chess 2 or Chess Alternative or, 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 or Chess 3.4. <laughs> or
1: Chesh, you know, if you haven't yeah. played that on the App Store. <laughs> and, and the
0: answer is, you know, a new version of Chess is just awful. It's just it's, it's not fun. People don't want it, you know, and. Um, and, and a miniatures war game that has literally no chance and is fun and is interesting and is engaging. It's just absolutely, bow shakingly difficult for very little reward. I mean, why that is, is possibly what part of this conversation was meant to be about. And I'm not entirely certain I know exactly why but it's definitely true it's definitely true that without any yeah i I don't know
1: exactly why but having tried to take it out i just i just didn't i didn't like what was left and i didn't feel Mm. like i didn't feel like the purity Mm. of the um design expression it just didn't it didn't deliver the value so there is a huge amount of delight that those that those dice are putting in and of course, I don't really like, I think one of the things that's interesting is that um, a lot of the the love goes into the miniatures and the terrain, whereas in a board game, you've got a lot more cards and, you know, stacks of, of, of tokens that come out at random. And there's a lot more places to place randomness. Um, I think there's maybe not enough. Uh, there's not enough like um, places where miniature games sort of like, you know heroes spring from nowhere or there are assassins hidden in the ranks like you know you know tiny sprinkling of that i think there's probably there's probably lots of other places to play with randomness that maybe aren't explored where there are pools of dice being rolled and that's the that's the default but i think I mean, trying to take it out completely or trying to go for a pure bluffing system um yeah. it's really tricky I think I think the thing that's
0: interesting, and and I think we'll sort of come towards wrapping this conversation up. But the thing that's interesting in board games is hidden information mm. is a lot easier to do in board games. So if you look at game like Stratego, for example, you know it's a fantastic game. Doesn't have randomness. Um, it's, Genuinely, I think, more fun than chess to actually play and engage with. And it's all built around hidden information. And there are lots of board games that replace randomness with hidden information because you can do that. You can completely replace randomness with hidden information. You can have a zero randomness game, but within the system, you know, as a whole, certain players don't have access to all the information. And therefore, you can get all the things that you would normally get out of randomness through mm. hidden information. Now, hidden information in a Miniatures War game is a, extremely difficult. It's a very, very bookkeeping intensive. Um, because Miniatures War games don't naturally have elegant ways of bookkeeping you end up saying okay like get out a notebook and start writing copious yeah, diligent I mean, be, and detailed immediately notes. i'm thinking
1: all right you've both got a deck of cards like you lay some cards down near the units and you know like when you go to attack you turns out oh these guys are a bit tired oh no yeah and this the thing in in a board game a hidden information
0: board game can build the whole game around hiding the information and keeping everybody honest mm. and noting it and and etc et, cetera, et cetera. And, and they can be very bespoke or be very bespoke around doing that. I mean, it's just war games really can't do it. And, you know, ha- having hidden information that's held honestly with minimal bookkeeping um, without um, bespoke uh, components is really hard. Mm. And personally, I think... That might be one of the reasons that the miniature war games remains um hooked on on random chance because it does all of the things that would replace it, and all the things that can replace it in board games are just too sort of resource intensive. I mean, possibly, least, and we've pos- messed,
1: we've messed around with this before, like because because I'm thinking, oh, like you know, what would we do to design one of those? And I'm thinking back to the assassins. Game that we toyed around with, where <laughs> we tried to write a sort of Assassin's Creed miniature game, where you were leaping around a city trying to assassinate people, and you can hide in crowds and stuff. And we kept iterating it, iterating and We just ended up just going, "Well, this is a board game. It's just better as a board game because yeah, no, information, and, and you know, the miniatures don't matter in the same way." And yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. And the- personally, every time I sit down to write any design, anything. I always have a moment of going, okay, which medium is the best for this? Mm. Because I, if I'm just ice skating uphill by making this a miniatures walk, I'll just make it a board game. Mm. If it just should be a board game and I'm just swimming against the tide by making it not board game, I'll just make it a board game. And anything that, any of the things are that, that would replace chance end up just being, you're just saving yourself a hiding to nothing by just making a
1: board game. Possibly, possibly that's what it is. Possibly it's you possibly, know, but we might we might be as, we might be missing we might be missing something fundamental here. I, I mean I agree know, maybe, I agree with you, but it frustrates me that that's the answer. Yes, I mean you know maybe in a few months' time
0: we'll revisit the subject and have some, some magical thing. Maybe that's it's it, we've sold it's
1: as, information miniature games.
0: It, it's as Homer says about his cocktail, he doesn't know the chemical reason, but fire made it good. Maybe chance just yeah it's just fire makes it good anyway with that complete and fundamental lack of an answer to the, the question, only thing that's
1: left is to find out whether we have to do another half an hour so if we get a six we have to do another 30 minutes it's a two we're all right we're all right
0: <laughs> thank 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 goodness the the mighty dice has spoken we can we can wrap up at this point um sorry for not uh nailing down a a, a thorny issue we'll no doubt revisit it at some later point if you have watched this point presumably enjoyed watching a struggle with the subject if you did please uh like and subscribe maybe you have some fantastic insight into exactly what it is about miniatures war games that love luck what it is about luck that you know uh loves miniatures war games um please give us a comment help us out we we're, we're, we've obviously not managed to plumb down to the the depths of this one give us something to talk about when we revisit this in in part two of this conversation at some point in the future um either way uh give us a comment like and subscribe reach out to us on social media i'm on most of them mike's on twitter um there are various things that will tell us you how to reach us below this video. But for now, we're going to sign off and uh say thank you very much for watching on this episode of Rule of Carnage. Uh, bye-bye. Bye, bye-bye, bye, bye-bye, bye, 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 bye bye.